Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. All right, friends. <clears throat> so last week in our Led by the Spirit series, we learned what the difference is between a logos and a rhema word. If you remember correctly, a Logos word is a universal written word that you can read from the Bible. It applies to all people at all times, no matter where they are in, in human history. But a Rhema word is a specific word for a specific person at a specific time. And those are special things that God wants everyone to receive from him. Not just the hyper-spiritual Christians, but he actually has a Rhema word for all of us if we're willing to listen, listen and, and tune in to his voice. So here's a question that I want to ask for, for us today. It's just kind of a way to warm up here. When you think about what you've read in Scripture, what are some different ways that you've seen God speak or communicate to people in the Bible? Just shout them out. His, his word, burning bush? Noah's ark. What was that? Yeah, the commandments, absolutely. Providence, and I heard another one? The donkey, that's right. You said prophets. That's, that's, yeah, that, I agree, that makes sense. David and Goliath. David and Goliath, yeah, absolutely. Adam and Eve, yeah. Samson. Samson, uh-huh. Yeah, very specific cases for sure. So these are all very true. The ones that I wrote down, just in case we were having a hard time coming up with some, uh, burning bush, the finger writing on the wall, um, there's a gentle whisper, angels, visions and dreams, we heard prophets, how about speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues, the donkey, of course, preachers and teachers, all that kind of stuff. So like, there's clearly a huge variety in the ways that God speaks to his people. Wouldn't you agree? And it actually not only demonstrates these things in Scripture, but there are certain Scriptures that talk about God's variety in the way that He speaks. Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And then Job 33 14 says, God speaks in different ways and we don't always recognize His voice. So through what we're going to talk about today in this message, I'm, I'm asking you, to kind of join me on a bit of a journey to in wonder and amazement about the ways and the variety in which God speaks. I think it's okay for us this morning to sit back and kind of be like, wow, God, I didn't realize that you want to know me and me to know you that badly. So through what we're going to talk about today, I think we're going to understand that God's not one-dimensional. He can't only be experienced or heard in one way. And if you can't figure out that one way, you're out of luck. No, I think God speaks in many ways. And this just reveals how eager he is to speak to all of us. Now, I don't know what your experience has been like with God. Maybe you're a longtime follower of Jesus and you hear him speaking to you all the time. That's great. Maybe you want to hear Jesus speak, but you're just not sure if you've heard him or not. You can't tell, is that God's voice? Is that my own? Maybe you're a newer Christian and you think you hear something that sounds like 
God. I don't know what that feels like, maybe, but you know, like, there's something more to what I'm sensing, right? You're just not sure what to do with it because you've never heard anyone say that God speaks to his people. As we explore together, I want everyone to be able to know with confidence that God certainly loves you and that he's desperately interested in speaking to you. To me, a church full of people who are listening for and guided by God's voice, it seems like a church who is not only united with God, but we actually become united and in great unity with each other because we're all listening to the same voice being guided by the same spirit. That's a beautiful thing to see happen. So, God can speak in many different ways, but the trick is to learn to recognize when he's talking to us. So first, let's look at some of the less common ways in which God speaks, and then we're going to look at some of the more common ways. So let's start here today with with some of these less common ones. The first one that I want to talk about is, is God's audible voice. Absolutely, God can speak in an audible voice. We can see this in, a, in a, one of the classic Bible stories that many young children learn. It's, it's the story of Samuel and Eli. Samuel was taken in to be an apprentice under his mentor Eli. And in the middle of the night, Samuel heard this voice saying, Samuel, Samuel. And he thought, oh, this is my master Eli calling me in the middle of the night. Three times this happened. He went to Eli and each time Eli said, no, it wasn't me. But the third time he says, Next time you hear that voice saying, Samuel, Samuel, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because what Eli realized is that God was calling out in an audible voice to Samuel in the night. So another New Testament example would be Saul, who later turns to, or we call him Paul. On the road to Damascus in Acts 9, uh, there's a voice and a, and, a, and a bright light that appeared and, and, and Saul heard the voice of God and God or Jesus was saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So in my life, I've met several people who have told me that they have heard God speaking to them audibly. And it's amazing when you hear these kinds of stories because you're kind of like, okay, I always thought it was possible, but man, now I know someone who's actually had this happen. So I'll share a story here from, from Francis Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer, he was born in 1912. He died in 1984, but he was an evangelical Christian theologian and pastor. Schaefer and his young family, at one point in their life, they needed some temporary housing during a transition time, but they had very little money. They needed a minor miracle from the Lord. In prayer, Schaefer asked, God, where can we live? Please show us. And immediately he heard an audible voice, not a voice in his own mind or from another human, for he was alone when he asked this question in prayer. And the voice simply said, Uncle Harrison's home. Even though the message was perfectly clear, it made no sense. His uncle was living in the house. Yet this voice was so direct that he felt that he had to obey it. So he wrote a letter to his uncle asking him what he planned to do with his house for the next year. He was astonished when his uncle rep- replied and that he planned to live with his brother for the next year and would like to offer his house free of rent to Francis and his family. So two things in this story that stand out to me. Schaefer asked God a question. So Schaefer was the one who initiated this contact with God, and then God spoke to him. 
We learn from this that we don't have to hope and wait for God to speak to us. We can actually say, Lord, I want to hear. Would you speak? I have a need. I have a question. Would you please speak into my life? And secondly, just like with Samuel and Saul, Schaefer heard a voice that sounded human. It didn't sound weird. It didn't sound far-fetched or scary or traumatic or anything like that. It sounded like something that was recognizable, like a human voice. And I think that's an important characteristic for us to understand because if God's voice, when he speaks to us, can sound human, that means that he's speaking in a way that he's, he wants us to hear him for what he is. He wants us to hear him in a way that we're going to understand and not be like, whoa, that was weird. That couldn't have been God. He just wants us to know him and to hear him and listen and obey. So that's the audible voice of God. I believe that he still speaks like that, just like he did in scripture. The second uh, lesser common experience that people have is God speaking to them through angels. In the Old Testament, Abraham, Joshua, Gideon, Samson's parents, Isaiah, Daniel, amongst many, many, many others, all had angelic experiences where an angel, a messenger from God, came and delivered something that, they wanted, that God wanted these people to know. In the New Testament, angels spoke to Mary that she was going to give birth to Jesus, right? The angels spoke to the shepherds saying, hey, in, in Bethlehem today, a Savior has been born to you. Angels spoke to Philip and Cornelius as well. Here's a modern day example. A woman from Manitoba who's connected to uh, the church of one of my good friends, she's had angelic appearances when she has been so weak and frail that she hasn't even been able to dress herself. The angels spoke to her and encouraged her, and one even helped her to get dressed one morning. Isn't that amazing? Angels show up, and because God sends them, and they care for God's people, speaking encouragement and even helping them with physical needs. As a youth pastor, I was rushing to the home of some of my youth kids. They had called me, asking me to come over because they were scared by a psychotic episode that their mother was having. As I drove down the highway, I also became frightened, thinking about the worst possible scenario that I was heading into. Suddenly, I saw two angels right alongside the vehicle that I was driving one on the left and one on the right. It's as if they were escorting me into this trouble that my youth were in. These angels that I saw gave me confidence. Though they didn't say anything, they were with me, and I knew that God was escorting me into a situation, and he would keep me and protect me in all the ways that I needed. It's wonderful that God has an enormous army of angels, the, the heavenly armies, and he doesn't hoard them, he doesn't just use them to flex his muscles, but he actually uses them to minister into your life and my life through messages and through their presence. I love that. So some other ways, some other phenomena that, that happens where God will speak to people through different ways. We've mentioned some of these. Moses experienced God's voice through a burning bush. Balaam heard a message from God through a donkey that was talking to him, which is bizarre, but true. Belshazzar and Daniel, they were, or Belshazzar was in the, in, the, in the banquet hall of his kingdom, and all of a sudden, because of his arrogance, there was a hand that wrote a message on the wall. Daniel came, saw the message, interpreted it, and said, this is what the Lord is saying to you. And Gideon, he understood something from God through a fleece that he put down. He was testing God, or it was, it was asking God for some confirmation, and the Lord gave it to him. So God refuses to limit himself to only one way of communicating. 
He can speak to us in any way he wants, and, as, and he does. So we're, we're partway through this message. I just want to put one thing out there. When we appreciate God for his creativity, we often look at nature, right? We often think, oh, yeah, the mountains and the oceans and the prairies and the sloughs of Towner County, North Dakota. Like, we just marvel at all these things, right? But can we agree that God is excellently creative in the way that he speaks to us? He's creative. There's variety in his creation. He loves you and he wants you to know his wonderfully diverse and creative personality. So he speaks to us in many different ways. When we see this happening, it's like we can step back and say, God, I see you here in this way. And over there, I see you in that way. And this is neat. Oh, and I love how you do that. We need to marvel. We need to be in awe of the way that God is speaking in variety. Because as we appreciate this diversity, our our love for God grows. And I hope that your appreciation for the leading of God's Holy Spirit is increasing during this series, just like mine is. So now let's take a look at a few of the more common ways in which God speaks. The first one is dreams and visions. So in the Old Testament, we see an example where God spoke to Joseph, the son of Jacob, about his, about his future. God spoke to Joseph in two separate dreams, and you can read about those in Genesis 37. In the New Testament, the wise men who came to visit Jesus, they were warned in a dream not to return through Jerusalem because King Herod was up to no good. You can see that in Matthew 2, verse 12. So visions and dreams, those are dreams. Visions and dreams are both very similar. Dreams happen when we're sleeping, and visions happen when we're awake. In the Old Testament, God appeared to Abraham in a vision, confirming his promise to grant him a son. That's in Genesis 15.1. And in the New Testament, Peter, one of the apostles after Christ had, had risen back to heaven, Peter received a vision that completely changed his attitude toward Gentiles, which are also known as non-Jewish people. That's in Acts 10, 9 to 17. In my own life, I told a story last week about my friend Larry Little and how he had a vision one morning when he woke up. That vision that he had was so clear that he felt like he had literally seen it, even though it was just something, a picture, that God allowed to show up in his mind. And that vision was about me. The vision that he came and shared with me was a confirmation that I was looking for after God had revealed something to me in prayer, but I needed more courage to move forward on it. God speaks in dreams and visions not only to Christians... But he also speaks that way to unsaved people as well. In the Bible, think about Pilate's wife. Pilate was the one who the Jewish people brought Jesus to and said, you should crucify this guy because he's breaking our rules. And Pilate's wife had a dream that said, don't have anything to do with Jesus. Do not hand him over to be crucified because you do not want his blood on your hands. And she came and she shared that dream with her husband. In Acts 2, God spoke through Peter saying that dreams and visions and prophetic experiences, which are all ways that the Holy Spirit supernaturally leads us, are not only going to happen, but they're going to be commonplace. They're not rare or mysterious or once-in-a-lifetime experiences, but they're meant to happen in a regular way right here in God's church. So that passage where where Peter heard or knew about this and shared this is Acts 2, 
verse 17 to 18. So here he's quoting the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will, will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. So you can see the variety, right? And then you also see God making this promise through the prophet and it's repeated by Peter. It's like, yeah, no wonder. No wonder God speaks like this, right? When I was a youth pastor, we taught our students that God speaks and the Holy Spirit leads us, which is exactly the same kinds of things that we're learning about today. So as we learned this and we tried this as a youth group, almost all of our students and our entire team of volunteers began, began getting pictures from God as we prayed and we listened for God to communicate to us. In fact, it was common. It wasn't weird or spectacular. And we, it's not like all of us you know, showed reverence for one or two people in our youth group who could hear from God or get these pictures from him. We all did it. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Because God says he pours out his spirit on all people, right? So in fact, it, it, was, it was a glorious way that, that our students and our, and our youth leaders began to learn how to receive direction from God in their lives. God, I have this issue coming up. I have a decision to make. Would you speak to me? Would you show me something? Would you help me be led in the direction that you want me to go? And all of us received God's leading in this way. Here's an example. One night at youth group, we had a, a monthly worship and prayer night that we called Recharge, which our students loved, by the way. It was obviously their favorite night of the month. One, at one point that evening, we broke into groups of about four people. And in these groups, we prayed and we asked God if there was encur an encouraging word for this person. And then we, the, the other three people, we'd listen and we'd see if God would want to reveal something to us. And then as we got something, we'd share it with them to encourage them. And there was guidance and all those kinds of things. It wasn't a free-for-all. We made sure it was a good word, an encouraging word before we shared it. And if it wasn't, we just said, you know, I'm not sure if I really understood correctly. And then we'd move on, right, to the next person and the next person. So the group that I was in, we, we prayed for these three students and we got some encouraging words to share with them, things that spoke to their life and, and gave them direction and things like that. And then at the end, the students in my group said, well, well Jeff, we want to pray to God and we want to listen for you. Is that okay? And I've, of course, I said, yes, I would love that. So after one of the students led out in prayer, asking God to give them something encouraging to share with me, they were all quiet for a moment as they waited for God to speak. And then they wrote down what they felt that God showing them or what they sensed God revealing to them. And then one by one, each of these three teenage boys all began to share a vision or a picture that they saw in their mind of me and my family who were going, who were going to be going through a difficult time. That's what they all saw. But in this difficult time that each one of these students saw, they also saw that God was with us and that he had sent angels to attend to us in the situation that we were dealing with. And we were strengthened and we made it through the difficulty through the help that God would provide. Each of their pictures was slightly different. One of them was like dodgeballs hitting us and knocking us down and we couldn't resist all of these attacks coming against us. But eventually we stood up. Another was you're going to be in, a, in an accident and there's going to be an ambulance that rushes out. But it's angels who get out of the ambulance, not paramedics. So it's like the pictures were similar but different. But the message was identical. There was going to be difficulty. God was going to meet us in our need and carry us through. So you might say, well, how is that an encouraging message? Well, I'll tell you. 
This was indeed greatly encouraging because about a month after that exact youth night, not by my choice, my time was ended at that church as a youth pastor. For about a year and a half afterward, things were extremely confusing, difficult, and financially challenging for my family. But just as God revealed to those three young men in those visions that he gave them every step of the way over that year and a half, God carried me and my family through. We received anonymous gifts uh, to help us financially that we just couldn't believe besides the fact that we said, God, clearly your miraculous provision is real and those visions that you gave to those young boys are exactly what you had in mind. The Holy Spirit was leading through a dream or a vision in that moment in our life. So we just praise God for those kinds of things. Isn't it wonderful that God knows about our future, right? And he says, hey, it's going to be tough. Hang in there. I got you. So that's the importance of hearing these kinds of things. So the other way, another way that God can speak to people, and this is a more a more common method is through other people. A very common way that God speaks to us today is through other people, which, which makes sense if you think about it. Think about all the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to the church, which enable a person to, to speak a God-given message into another person's life. Passages like Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11 and 12, reveal that it is God's intent to supply a church with People who are enabled by him to speak a message that is going to help the other people, right? So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So what do apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all have in common with the gift that they're given? They have to speak. They have to speak for that gift to be used. So God clearly says, I'm giving you people who are enabled to speak in a specific way by my Holy Spirit for your benefit. That is a good God, is it not? I love that. So let's talk about preachers and teachers here for just a moment. So God uses preachers such as Paul, Peter, Apollos, to proclaim the truth. We can read about those kinds of things in Romans 10, verse 14 and 15. Preachers are essential for people to hear God's word, it says in Romans 10, 14. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says this, Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. I love that. There's so much clarity there when we see how Paul is putting these things. It's God's message spoken through us, but you took it to be the word of God because that's exactly what it was. When God directs a, a preacher or a teacher on what they are meant to say in a, in a Sunday school classroom or on a Sunday morning service or somewhere else, the message isn't that person's necessarily, but it's God's message that's being spoken to us through that preacher or teacher. So this valuable preaching and teaching can come in the form of writing and books as well. It doesn't have to be in person. If you watch a sermon on YouTube, if you are reading a book by a Christian author and there's a, a word that, the, that God wants to speak to you through that person, you can receive it with confidence when it speaks to your heart and you're like, oh, that's an idea I need to pay attention to. I believe that the Holy Spirit will affirm that. So there's also prophesying. 
Prophecy is listed in the New Testament gifts of the Spirit, in, in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians. A New Testament prophet, uh, uh, prophet named Agabus, he prophesied that a famine would sweep across the known world in Acts 11, verse 28. And then the churches were able to act accordingly in order to make sure that they took care of one another. Several times, our friend from Anchor Point Church, Pastor Donovan, who many of you have met, he has had people who have prophesied that God would use him to plant new churches and to raise up many pastors for God's kingdom, specifically in Canada. Some prophecies have been so specific and they've been numerous that these people have said, Donovan, we believe the Lord is saying that you are going to raise up a thousand churches. That's pretty big. But it, when it happens numerous times, it's kind of hard to ignore. So now this is the strategic mission of Donovan's church in Winnipeg. They often are getting calls from other churches who are asking them for help, for direction, and even asking Donovan, hey, would you have a pastor in your church that you could send to our church? We need somebody. So it's interesting that the need is now matching the prophetic word that has been spoken. Just this last month, I mean, this, this kind of, these kind of prophetic words have been coming into Donovan's life for years and years and years. Just this last month, Donovan was away from Winnipeg in another city in Manitoba. He was going to be meeting with another pastor. As he was outside this church, he met another man who was of African descent. He'd never known him before. And, but Donovan's friendly. He says, hey, how are you? He says, I'm good. I'm, and then he says his name. He says, how are you? And he says, good, I'm, I'm Donovan. He says, Donovan, Donovan. Huh, Donovan, okay. And he could tell like there was something going on. So they started to chat a little bit more. And as they were, as they were talking, this man felt that God was speaking to him a message that he was meant to share with Donovan. So he asked, can I share this with you? Donovan said yes. And this man looked at Donovan, who he had never met before, and said, you're a church planter. You're going to plant churches. The Lord is saying that you're going to plant many, many churches. You're a church planter. And over and over again, he said the same thing. And the man continued. He says, you're going to use the five-fold ministry to do this. Which is interesting because more than a year ago, Donovan began a, uh, a mentoring program in his church that he calls The Journey. And what they do is they're training people not only to become full of the character of Christ, but then in the second level, they're training people how to understand if they're called to be one of the fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So how did this man, who Donovan had never met, know these things? Clearly, God was speaking to him. And why did he speak this to this man? Why did God talk to him to share this with Donovan? As a way to encourage him. As a way to spur him on in his faith, saying, yeah, these words that I've spoke to you long ago, it wasn't a fluke. I am speaking to you now through someone who you don't even know because I want you to believe and move with confidence. Isn't that such a good thing that God uses people? There's other ways that he can do this too, uh, through a gift called the words of knowledge. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. The Holy Spirit will supernaturally reveal a fact to one person about someone else, even though they may never have known this person before, just like we saw with this last story about Donovan's life. I was once in a meeting with my youth group volunteers, and we spent some time praying for a young couple who was volunteering in our youth group. And as we prayed and listened for God to speak into their lives, I heard so clearly in my heart, though it didn't make any sense to me, I heard very clearly, right hip. And I asked, 
at the end of this, I, I said to Tegan and Brianna, were their names, I said, guys, I don't know why I got this, but do the words right hip mean anything to you? And Tegan looks at Brianna, and then he looks at me and says, how did you know? Did she tell you? And I said, tell me what? And then he explains how about a week and a half earlier, he had jumped out of the box of a pickup truck, and when he landed on the ground, he hurt his hip. And it had been aching now for a week and a half. So as God revealed something to me that I had no way of knowing, and I shared it with them, it encouraged Tegan and Brianna, and they were then able to ask for prayer. We prayed for healing. And even though the healing wasn't complete, it was still a great boost to the faith of everyone in that room, because God was using one of us to do his work in the lives of someone else. Words of, wisdom, or words of wisdom also accompany words of knowledge. A person who gives, uh, who's given wisdom from God is equipped to give godly advice or instruction or counsel about a situation that they may have never experienced personally themselves. A word of wisdom also shows us how to appropriately handle a word of knowledge that God may give us. Just because he reveals something to us, it doesn't mean that he's given us permission to blab it right away. He may say, here's what I want you to know, but I don't want you to say anything yet. Wait for my timing. I will tell you when. You will know the right time. You will know the right person. Don't be irresponsible. Show me that I can confide in you and, and trust you with the good words that I want to speak into your life. And finally, another way that God speaks through other people is interpretation of tongues. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 12.10 and 1 Corinthians 14.5. So the Holy Spirit in these moments, what he'll do is he'll give supernatural ability to someone to understand what is being said in another language that they have they, they cannot speak or they do not have any knowledge of prior to that moment. And the reason why God does that is so that someone can interpret something that is being said by God in another language that's meant to edify or encourage or boost up the body of Christ, right? So these are all ways that God enables other people to speak his message into our lives. So here's the, here's the kind of the caution, right? When we hear other people speaking to us, it's so easy to say, well, you're just a human. God already told me this or that or the other thing. Don't discount a message from another person just because it's coming from their mouth. God is clearly using people all around you to speak into your life. So pay attention to those things. At least, here would be my advice, at least take that word that comes from someone else. Bring it to God. Test it. Say, Lord, this is what I heard from this person. Is this from you? Does this agree with your word? Is this for me? Or is this something that I should just let go? And just be gracious about it. All right. Last, last section here. We're going to talk about the single most, way, the most common way in which God speaks to us. It's through what the Bible calls a gentle whisper. Elijah is one example of a person who heard God's gentle whisper. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12, it says this, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. So this gentle whisper from God feels a lot of the time like our very own thoughts. But really the gentle whisper of God is his thoughts that he places into our hearts. Nehemiah described this very thing happening to him when he said in Nehemiah 7.5, 
So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by families. A thought from God was placed into the heart of a person and it felt like a gentle whisper, not a demanding voice, but something subtle, right? When God speaks to us in a gentle whisper, it's him putting his thoughts and ideas onto our hearts so that we will hear them, trust them and obey them. Just this week, Les Lemke and I were chatting for a little bit, and he was telling me about how a a verse in James has been showing up again and again and again in his devotion time in the mornings. It's James 1 verse 27, which says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this idea in this verse stuck with Les. And he's felt it in his heart that there's something that God is asking him to do. Les told me that he's looking into ways that he can connect with elderly people at the living center who may have lost a spouse and they're lonely. And he wants to go and encourage them and boost them in their faith. Doesn't that sound like God is putting his idea in Les's heart? Yeah. And Les gave me 100% permission to share that story just in case you're squirming in your seat. So clearly, clearly, the Holy Spirit is leading Les Lemke to do something. That's beautiful, right? One of the ways that we can know that, we, that these are the Holy Spirit's thoughts leading us in the direction that He wants us to go is if we receive them after we have asked Him for wisdom about a particular matter. In James 1 verse 5 to 6 it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So when we, when we receive thoughts after praying for wisdom, we shouldn't doubt that those thoughts came from Him. We just asked. And our good Father in Heaven wants to give us messages from Him. As we've clearly seen this morning, why would we say, well, that can't be God, it feels like me. It's in God's character to answer the prayers of his people who long for wisdom that they might operate in a way that is pleasing to him. God never says to you, no, you're not worthy. I'm not giving you wisdom. Or you're not good enough. Or you haven't been a Christian long enough. That's not God's voice. It says he gives generously to all without finding fault. Oftentimes the thoughts that the Holy Spirit places in us are also joined by feelings that urge us to obey what we have just heard. And this happens commonly when God is trying to get our attention. When when God convicted me of an area of disobedience in my life, I felt the desires of my heart change instantly. It was so bizarre. I was okay with doing things that I knew I shouldn't do. And in an instant, all of a sudden God said, no, that's not right. And I felt that. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to continue down that road. I want to make a change. God was doing that for me. When God called me into ministry, I felt great joy and wonder and excitement that I hadn't felt before about this topic. When God cleansed me from a battle over a sin in my life, I wept and I felt extreme gratitude. See how the emotions accompanied all the ways in which God was speaking and revealing himself, right? So we can see that it is true. God speaks to us through his gentle whisper. And even our feelings about something change as a confirmation that it is from God and not just from ourselves. This, once again, is the leading of the Holy Spirit. So some of us might be thinking right now, okay, Jeff, 
This might work for you, but I can't do this. I've tried. I can't hear God's voice. He never speaks to me. Well, here, think about this. Farm animals and pets, they learn to recognize their voice or the voice of their owner. How? Experience, right? They have to spend time together. Just because you have a new puppy in your house or a cat... I mean, it doesn't, like, just because they're in your home the first day, they might not respond to your voice right away because it's new. They're going to get to know you. But by after a week or a month, and certainly after years of spending time together, that pet responds quickly and eagerly because they know your voice, right? You and I only learn through experience as well when it comes to understanding God's voice or colors or musical notes. Or smells, they all come from experience. Maybe I was a bit of a strange kid growing up, I don't know. But I loved Brussels sprouts. But when you're boiling Brussels sprouts, I don't know if you've ever done this, they give off a fairly unique smell that doesn't automatically make you think, oh man, that smells delicious. I remember coming into the kitchen when my mom was cooking Brussels sprouts one time, and to me, it just smelled like one giant fart. <laughs> and I asked my mom, what is that smell? And I was young, and she told me, it's Brussels sprouts. And I was like, oh, I, I like Brussels sprouts. So then the next time my mom was cooking Brussels sprouts, I came into the kitchen, and it's like, ooh, there's that smell again. But this time, because I had experience, I knew that smell is the smell of great joy because it's Brussels sprout night at the Peters home, okay? It also takes experience, for us to understand what God's voice sounds like. So here's something to keep in mind that will help us to recognize the whisper of the Holy Spirit. James 3.17 says this, But the wisdom that comes from, God, or from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Wouldn't you say that that description or those characteristics are all very good, very lovely? Of course they are, because they come from God. And God is good, and so are the things that he says. If the voice uh, that we hear, or, or if, the, if, if the voice or the thought that we hear comes to us and it creates stress, anxiety, confusion, or agitation, that's not God's voice. God's voice is firm and clear, but it's never demanding or harsh or accusatory. Anytime that I've prayed asking God for wisdom or direction in my life and I've heard from, God's, from God, His voice has never been angry or impatient or sarcastic. It's always been gentle, sincere, loving, and clear. We're going to talk more next week about how we discern God's voice. When we feel that there's something going on in our heart, it's like, is that me? Is that God? Is that another voice that might be from my enemy? Here's just one last warning here. This gentle whisper of God, his rhema word, his personal word spoken to us, it bypasses our physical senses and it goes directly to our spirit. Okay, so because of this, we can easily, as humans who live in a physical world, we can easily disregard the voice of God because we can't hear it with our ears and we can't see it with our eyes. But that doesn't mean it's not God speaking. Sometimes we look for this big wow factor like an audible voice or an angel or thunder and lightning striking at the moment that we ask for something in prayer. However, all messages from God are meant to resonate with our spirit far more than with our physical senses. 
This gentle whisper from God that we're talking about can easily be dismissed if it's not what people would think normally is spectacular or impressive. But here's the thing. I actually think that it's for this very reason that God's gentle whisper is spectacular. A loud voice is something that anyone can hear, whether they want to or not. But a gentle whisper is spectacular because God speaks to people looking for those who want to hear him. A whisper is something that we have to quiet the other voices or distractions in our life from. And we say, okay, God, I think I heard you. I really want to hear what you're saying. Would you speak? Because I'm listening for your gentle whisper. You don't have to break into my life. You don't have to force yourself on me because I am willing to hear what you want to say. Consider this. Heaven is not going to be full of people who were coerced or, uh, or felt obligated to believe and follow Jesus. It's going to be made up of people who freely desire him. And so God... He partially hides himself, I believe, from people. Not so that we can't find him, but so that those who don't want to find him won't. But he reveals just enough through this gentle whisper that those who are seeking will find him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isn't God awesome? I love the promises. Like when we, when we understand topics like this, and we think about them more in a, in a practical context, I think the character of God speaks for itself. He, he lets us know who he is in a way that we can comprehend, but not in a way that's forceful, and not in a way that's going to take people in a place they don't want or desire to go.